0: Church wants nothing to do with God. He doesn't realize the church is right next door. So um, that's pretty awesome. Likewise, we want to carry each other as believers as we're chasing Jesus. We want to spur one another on. We want to help each other um, fight the good fight and run the race with perseverance. Um, then we want to learn more about who Jesus is. That's why we have the two songs to get our hearts ready. Because sometimes we come in this morning and there's lots of things going on. If you're like me, we had to try and wrangle five children into the um, car at the same time, and that was impressive. Um, I I sometimes, lots of times, I get to be the one that comes and does worship early, so I make Julie have to wrangle all the kids, and so I'm sure she loves that, but um, today we had an extra one, and so we get to do that, Um, and so sometimes you're just overwhelmed trying to get here. I just remember that that's Always a struggle is to get here and you're sometimes stressed out and all your work week has been weighing on you, whatever you've been doing this weekend and you're thinking about what all you have to finish before work and everything like that. And so we take a couple songs just to give ourselves a minute to focus and to just sort of tap into what God, prepare our hearts for what God wants to teach us and then then we want to look at his word. The important thing for us to remember too in this part right here is that it's not about me. Like It's not just like, get your heart ready so I can tell you what I know. That's not really the point. Um, the point is that the the word of God is going to speak to us. That's my prayer and my desire. And then we do three songs at the end because I would spend all of my time in Baptist church circles where you had one um, one song is the end, and so all the people just like held their, like, it was awesome. You could hear. I really appreciate that most of us don't have zipper Bible covers, and if you do, that you don't make them, not obviously when we're done, right? Like, I used to love it. He'd be like, oh, my final point is everybody like, and everybody'd be packing their junk up, and you just hear it all over the place, and then they're all staying there ready to go during that last song, and so. Um, there's a passage of Scripture Jesus tells about the farmer sowing the seed. And one of the things that always terrifies me is it says the enemy is essentially like birds that come and desire to snatch the seed that was sown in our lives. So we maybe the Lord's trying to sink some truth into you from his word this morning. And then we just have one song and we're off to lunch or we're off to thinking about how fast can I pick these chairs up and go home. Um, we don't, give, we don't give it time to sink in. The enemy is desiring to come and just preoccupy us and snatch that away. And so we give ourselves three songs at the end just to sort of try and process and give the, give the Lord time to let that sink into our lives. And so um, that's learned. Um, we desire to serve here, obviously. He's planted us in Volonia. Um, which is why people know who we are, because <laughs> we live in the town that likes to get hit by tornadoes. Um, I was talking to a businessman, it's been a several months ago now, and he, he was not from here originally, and he lives here, but he was really hard trying to find an apartment somewhere else. <laughs> he was like, I need an apartment that is close to Valonia, not too much rent, but not in Valonia. I'm like, what? Why? Tornadoes, man. I'm like, oh, yep. Okay, <laughs> so um, our desire is to serve here in the middle of the tornado um, capital of central Arkansas, right? So claim to fame. That and Sasquatch, so as far as what Google tells me, so good. Um, but the point is, the Lord's placed us here so we can't ignore here just to focus on there. Um, and then finally, uh, our desire is to go there. We're trying to constantly look at new ways and possibilities um, to to. Do that. The Lord has given us pretty clear instructions that it's not just about here, but it's about go and make disciples of all nations. And so, um, we partner with a missionary family in Turkey, um, and we are about to um, partner with a organization that's called Forgotten Song. And in the next several weeks, we will um, tell you more about who they are. They have a, um, a heart and a desire to have a sustainable ministry on the ground in every country that has been affected and impacted by war, um, which is a really big goal, but they've been in existence for eight years and they now have five projects on the ground in five different countries. And so um, I forget Iraq and Rwanda and Uganda and um, now the newest project is in the Congo. And so... Um, As as we go on, we'll tell you about how we're trying to attempt to partner with them. So, Anyway, that's why we do what we do. Everything we try and do, we try and do not just do because we want to. We try to say, how is it benefiting this process? How does it benefit these areas that we're trying to push back and make a difference and make disciples? So, All right, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'm going to pray for clarity for me just so I don't give you my spiel, but I give you... I feel like God wants us to have. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you um you saw fit to give us this word. It wasn't just an accident, it was intentional and um and that's awesome. Um so that we could know you and we can know about you and know who you are um, and even more so we can know how you feel about us. And so um Lord, we thank you for that. We ask that your truth would be shown this morning that you would allow through your spirit to impact us. Um and um, in some way, and that we might grow to not only love you more, but to be more like you. Let's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm not going to read all of this because we're pretty familiar, but I want you to get the um, gist of it. So let me read just the first several. We'll just go to first 10. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening, and then there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. Um, So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and the gathered the waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good. Hopefully that gives us enough of a pattern. We see God speaking something into existence like light. And then at the end of that, um, first of all, then light happens. And then at the end of the day, um, he says it was good. And it goes on to the next day where he creates and makes something um, unique. Let's let's just go ahead and for the sake of it. um, So let's let's skip down to verse 27 and look at the last bit of this. Just so we kind of book in the whole thing. Don't miss anything. Verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Um, Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. And they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Okay. Now, when um, I was telling Julie last night, when, when we you jump into a new book, um, of the Bible, uh, there's a lot of fun things. You don't get to dodge things that you maybe wouldn't want to talk about. Um, Creation is one of the things I don't like to talk about. It's not that I don't like talking about it. It's that everyone has an opinion on it. And then we live in such a world now where the the secular side of education has pushed back against it. And so um, it's not that I am afraid of it. It's just we all come in with a lot of preconceived ideas about it. And so... Um, what we end up doing is, is we want to immediately ju- to go, okay, so you're going to tell me how evolution is false. Or are you going to tell me how um, this is an old earth thought process? Is it a new earth process? What is exactly God trying to do? How? How did he do all of this? Was it a day and to God is like a thousand years to us. And so the earth is really point billion years old and, and or is it literally seven days and he spoke into existence, all of these things. And so it's really just 6,000 years old. Which one is it? How does that work? Why, why, why? Um, I'm going to be a bummer right out the gate. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to give, want to give you that. If you want to talk to me about what I think, um, I'll be happy to talk with you later about some of that. Um, there's no real definitive answers. I could spend all morning this morning and we could lay out all the different cases for it and you'd go home with all the information and still have your own opinion and or go, uh, okay. Here's my here's my problem that when we jump into Genesis 1 and why I don't like always talking teaching this part is we worry, we want to know how. We want to know how did that happen? How did he do it? All the things we just talked about. Really, thousands of years is just days. Um, but here's my here's my example. Suppose that we gave you, someone gave you a present and you unwrapped your present and when you unwrapped the present, it was this complicated looking, fascinating machine, right? Do you immediately go, you know, I wonder what tools they used to make this, right? You go, I wonder how many, how many months, how many people were on the job, how many people at the factory had to have a hand in this. That's fascinating. I wonder, I wonder what, um, you know, where, where was it built? Where were the parts made? How many people did it take to assemble it? How many hours did it think it took to put that, put that machine together? If you're not immediately aware of what this complicated-looking machine is, that's, none of those are your first question, right? Your question is, sweet, what's it do? Right? Like, what's it, what is it? Uh, like, that's a fax machine. oh I don't care. Right? Like, I mean, but whatever. We're looking at this complicated, fastening machine, and we're not worried so much about How? But we want to know the answers to why. What purpose is it? Why have you chosen to give it to me? What is it going to do for me? How am I to interact with it? And so this morning I'm going to give you a, a brief, some truths I think about how God did it. But then mostly we want to look at maybe why. Why did God create us? Why is the earth what he did um, and how he did it? One of the, one of the theories behind the, the writing in Genesis, and I'm inclined to agree with them, um, as you see Genesis 1, you have this account of creation, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And he's walking you through all these different things. And you get to chapter 2, and it's like he started over. And he explains all this stuff again, he's, and you see this much more in detail um, creation between God and Adam, and how he makes Eve, and how he makes man. And so you've had people push back and saying, well, they're just contradictory things. And, um, and the truth is, they're not. Um, and one of the things I like to to see, and I think they might be right. Um, you may disagree, and that's cool. It's not really that big a deal. Um, I feel like Genesis 1 is sort of written, it's, it's written in a form of poetry. It's written in, this, in the form of, a say, like a song. Have you ever... Um, like if you were just having a conversation with me, or if you were, um, my, my daughter's been working on being a reporter, right? And so we've been working on what does it mean to put together a news broadcast and this, this type of thing. If she was to get up there and every 30 seconds said, um, okay, and so then bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Rode the Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Right, like you're going, okay. And then she goes on with her story, and then she's like, "But bye, bye, Miss American Pie." Rode, drove the Chevy to the levee, but the levee was for like nine minutes. We're all going next channel. What is she? Do? Either that or we're watching it because it's going to be on YouTube. We're like, this is, this is like a train wreck on TV. What is this? But you put it in Don McLean's hands with a guitar, and I loved all nine minutes. Right bye bye miss american bye throw the the with like it's, it 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 makes sense in in poetry and in song we repeat things one of the biggest criticisms of people that really love the traditional songs and don't like the modern songs is that i could sing of your love forever and ever and ever i could sing of your love forever like the same thing it's repetitive but it's it's part of it's part of the structure of, of that type of art form. So I am inclined to, believe, to agree with them that this, is, that this is written as a poem. This is written essentially as a song. C.S. Lewis, I think, shared my, um, my thoughts. He um, is just a really wicked smart dude that wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. We, read the, we were reading the books with my kids. We've been on pause for a bit now. But the first book um, he came back and wrote later, and it's not important, but it shows how, how the Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure, created all of Narnia. And it was this big, it was really cool. It was here, C.S. Lewis, paint the picture. As this big lion strode through this void space, singing this low, deep, beautiful song. And as he sang, it was just, just intoxicating. And then things popped up out of the ground. And things grew up from what was there. And things shot out of here. And waterfalls sprang up over there. And so I just feel like this is beautiful picture, this beautiful analogy, this, this, all of this creation is essentially this song that the Lord is singing us into existence. Now, whether you agree with me or not, it doesn't, that part doesn't matter. The part is regardless of how it happened, it happened true. Whether it's just straight, this is what it says and I'm just reporting it repetitively or I'm singing it or I'm written it in a poem, regardless of how that all took place, it's true. Right? It's not an accident. It's true. Here's, here's why we know this. Right there at the beginning where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That word, Hebrew word for created. I'm not even going to try and pronunciate or enunciate it. Um, but the word is only used to refer to God. Now, I have... Um, my son the other day wanted me to make him a Larry Boy mask. Most of you may not even know who Larry Boy is. That's okay. I live in a house of little people I know and not little people, you know what I'm saying. Right? So, um, so in my, on my lunch break, I took a di- Diet Coke, empty Diet Coke box, flipped it inside out, glued some um, styrofoam bowls to the side, cut some eyes out, and shaped it slightly that way, and I made him a tacky and crude Larry Boy mask that he was delighted with. Okay, here's what didn't happen. When he said, "Dad, I want a Larry Boy mask," I said, "Larry Boy mask," and all of a sudden, there it was. That would have been so cool, and so it would save me so much time. But no, I didn't. Why? I had to go get the box and flip it inside out, and get the duct tape and cut the holes out, and kept poking him in the face, trying to figure out where his eyes were. And, right? I am wise enough not to cut it while it was on his face. I've learned that, and um, it only took a couple kids of scarring. And so, I have to take something that is in existence, materials and try to create something new from old materials. That's not what that word is depicting. That word is used only to God because it means he is creating something from absolutely nothing. So he speaks it into existence. Now, um, the, only, the only thing I ever looked like that when I was... Um, Right after the storm, we were out of the, the, the side of the valley, and um, there's a video that keeps circulating every time Hop bringing it back around. Um, and I'm standing there talking to um, Scott Inman on Channel 7, and I look really pale next to Ned, and we're standing there. And, um, and so at the beginning of the video, I'm just standing there talking. I don't have anything in my hands. Everything's fine. And at the end of the thing, um, all of a sudden, I'm holding and clutching a can of Diet Coke. It's like I made it out of magic. Like, whoop, Yes. But what really happened was... During, um, during the interview, Lynette thought it would be awesome to try to get on the news and ran over and handed me a Diet Coke smiling at the camera and then ran off. What she didn't realize was they had cut away to other random shots of wreckage and debris and when they came back to me, I'm just holding a soda. So I was like, no Coke. Oh, look at this house is gone. This is, here's what the police are doing. Here's a roadblock here. This guy cutting down a tree. Come back to Matt and I'm holding a soda. Like That appears that I made something out of nothing but even then, there was a, there was a reasoning behind it, right? You can't we don't have the ability to take something out of nothing. That also would be awesome. I would save a lot of money on Diet Coke. I would just be like, right? It would be so good. But it can't that's how it works. Now, the other thing that's important for us to understand is God created our world intentionally. It was not an accident. He created it intentionally. It wasn't just a big I mean, now if you it may have been a bang, I'm sure it was when he spoke it into existence and let there be light and there's light. But it was not an accident, right? It wasn't a random happening and collision of molecules. There was an intentionality that the Lord spoke this and began this into existence. Now, because he did it intentionally, there's a couple of things that we can quickly walk away from this with. Um, as we see all the way through, and we read through the first part, he would create this and then at the end he would go and he said it was good. Then we go to the next part and he said it was good. and He went to the next part. And he said it was good. Now, um, ancient cultures, there's a reason both of those things are important to understand. Ancient, ancient mythology, ancient cultures, other religions all have an origin type of story. Um, we're crying out, all superheroes have an origin type of story. Now, most of the ancient cultures, their creation of the earth story tended to happen from Accident. Right? Two gods were throwing down in the, and all of a sudden they're like, beating each other up and it's creating mountain ranges and valleys. and water. I mean, or accidentally, you know, this guy crawled up out of the ooze and began to create human beings. Like there's all these accidental things. Christianity stands in opposition to that as in the fact that it was intentional. The Lord had a plan. He did this on purpose. And then likewise, because he did this on purpose and because he, he says that it is good... It's important. It's important for us. The, the earth, to take care of the earth, essentially, is to, to do that. The ancient cultures um, all thought that salvation was essentially leaving earth, right? And so they would attempt to pull away from earth. They would hide themselves in a monastery um, and, and not knocking the devoutness of people in monasteries by any means, but that was the, the point was to exclude themselves, remove themselves from the world so that they might get close to God. All right now... By understanding the fact that the world, God says, A, the world is good. We don't have to hide from the world. It means there's nothing inherently evil about creation. That means there's not in music. So we have Christian music channels. There's a problem with that. Music doesn't have a soul. Music can't be Christian. I understand they're talking about, sometimes they're talking about Christ and it's uplifting and that's the point. But it's, it's a poor use of that, of that labeling. Okay, music in itself is not good. Like it's, it doesn't have, it's not sinful. Music isn't sinful and or music isn't non-sinful. What you do with that music, how you respond to the music, what you, you know what I mean? How they interact with the music, the lyrics that show up in the music. Some of those things I believe could be that way, but the music itself is not. Same thing with creation. Trees aren't sinful or not sinful, whether I'm, right? Whether I cut a tree down or didn't cut a tree down, it's not a sinful necessarily act. So the point is too, for us to understand, we don't need to pull away, Um Christianity is the only religion that I'm aware of that we are not leaving this earth to go to heaven. Revelation 21 tells us at the end that the Lord is bringing a new heaven and a new earth. He says, I saw it descending from the clouds, a new heaven and a new earth. God is coming to restore what He created initially. We're not fleeing it. We're not hanging out here long enough. Eventually, it's all going to burn down. No, He's coming to restore it, to renew it, to make it new again, and we get to be a part of that. The other thing is, because God said creation is good, because God said all these things are good, we don't have to be afraid of pleasure. I feel like that's why you, that's why these people hid themselves in the monasteries, was to stay away from the pleasures of the world, because those were going to lead them to evil. Um, sometimes that could be be true, but the Lord is saying we should not be afraid of those things. We should not be um, afraid to enjoy enjoy those um, those type of things. So like, I don't know what we're going to eat today, but I don't. And I don't, again, maybe you and it disagree with me, and maybe you don't believe the Lord created the Big Mac, but I differ on that opinion, right? Um, that concoction of of tastes on on, a, on some days is fantastic, but who ultimately created that? Who gave us that ability to enjoy whatever your favorite food is, right? Like good biscuits and gravy. Like, oh my gosh, good biscuits and gravy. Like, who created, who thought that if we smother bread, baked bread, and the, I don't know who came up with it originally, but I know who designed it for our good, God. Right? Like, for a long time, my daughter's favorite color was pink. Who made pink? Who thought up pink? Who designed pink? God. Right? Who, he is, his creation is for our enjoyment. So we, we don't want to, obviously, give ourselves... Um, into using it so we can pervert it in sinfulness and, and lead ourselves into bad ways with it. But in and of itself, he is not telling us to avoid it. He has is, he is signed off on it. It's good. This is good. That's good. All right, so that's, that's essentially some of the things we can see about how it's good. It's, he did it on purpose, and he's not looking for us to abandon it. He's coming to restore it, okay? So those are some things we can walk away with about how um, that looks. But for the most part, like I said, we want to worry about more about why. Why did God create it? Um, I was always taught, well, he needed fellowship. We'll see in a second. There's a, I think the answer is yes and no, but he didn't need fellowship. That's a poor choice. So in the beginning here we see there's some clues to how this works. Um, first of all, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But look in verse 3. It says, and God said, let there be light. Verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse. Verse 9, God said. 14, God said. 11, God said. You get the picture. God said. And it happened. Right? God said, let there be light. Bang. God said, let there be, let the, let there be land. Bam. Let there be things that govern and things that, that govern the day and govern the light. Eight times in this chapter, God speaks things into existence. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. He never creates something without speaking. It wasn't just like, bird, where did you come from? No, God said let, their, let the birds fill the expanse of the sky. He never creates without speaking. Um, so what we could take away from that then is his word is an agent of power in itself. His word carries power in and of itself. Now, That's unique and we're going to hang on for just a second. So the second reason we can see the clue as to why maybe um, what was going on at the beginning. Right there in verse uh, 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now that word hovering is only used in the Bible twice. the, The original word that I cannot pronounce. And every time it is used, the picture is of a mother bird over her nest with her wings spread out, flapping and fluttering and hovering just above the nest, whether it was to try to help them hatch or to help them fly. So the imagery here then is the Spirit of God is essentially hovering. He's present over the voidness, over the waters, over the, the beginning now, why that's important is, if you're like me, maybe, I don't know, and I don't know if it's just the term Holy Ghost that we think through it, but, like, in my world, we've always identified, like, in my head, the Spirit of God is just like, it's like a thing. You know what I mean? When people, people in church would be like, and the Spirit moved in, it was like, and I'm like, the Spirit moved in? It's like gas just coming in the vents. And he's just like, he's not, he's not solid, he's not tangible, and we wouldn't even say he. We would typically refer to it as like it. Sort of like water vapor. But the problem with that is it's not an it. It's not a force. It's not just like I felt him. There was disturbance in the spirit, right? I moved in my spirit. No, it's, it's, a, it's a person. He was there hovering over the earth In the process as creation is happening. Okay, so why is that a big deal? Um, Look in verse 26, it says, God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. Okay, here's the question Who? Who Who's he talking to? God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, people would say, Well, he's talking to the angels. Yeah, except for we're not made in the, cre- in the image of angels. And angels aren't made necessarily in the image of God. Here's what's going on. Um, in fact, I, I, uh, I think Isaiah 14 says, um, it basically was talking about when God created the world. It says, Who did he consult? Like, he didn't consult anybody. He didn't ask anybody how to do it, he just did. Now here's why. Here's how that happens. How, it, how does he ask, who's he talking to? If he's not talking to the angels, if he didn't consult anybody, who's he talking to? He's talking to essentially himself, right? Now this is where my, it just, the over, my circuits overload a little bit. But there's some things that even though we don't, may not understand how the inner workings of it all happen, that we need to take away from this. So we see the God speaks. And his word has power. His word is creation. We see this. So the father, God, is present. We see the spirit is there. He's hovering over the thing. And so the only person that if you've been in church for a long time, we're going, well, we're missing somebody. Right? We have the father. We have the spirit. And we're missing the son. We're missing the son. Where's the son at? Where's he at? Well, hold hold your finger, Genesis, and flip over to the book of John. We're at the very beginning, chapter 1 of John. We'll keep our finger there. Here's what it says. In John 1, right at the beginning. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Okay. So who John is talking about here then is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And if you wanted to take that, and you could swap out the word word for Jesus. So you could sub that out. And it would say, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. So God speaks. And Jesus makes. <laughs> right? God said, let there be light. And Jesus is like, light? Yo. Well, he may have spoken too. I think he obviously had that power. We see that all the way through his life on earth, right? He's on a boat, everything's tripping out. The disciples are like, You don't care, we're all gonna die. And Jesus is like, this. Shh! And everything stops. <laughs> oh man, that would have been trippy. So we see the we see all of a sudden the sun is present. So all three parts of God, all three parts of the Trinity are present. Like I said, it overloads my mind, it overloads my circus. But here's, here's the thing that we need to understand the Trinity is what's making. Creation. So we go back to our thing. Well, he needed us for for fellowship. Except for, he didn't. He had perfect fellowship within himself. The Father is praising and glorifying and loving and doting on the Son. The Son is doting on, loving, praising, enjoying the Spirit. The Spirit is praising the Father. There is perfect unity and perfect love dwelling in, within God. God is essentially not just a person. He is an entire community. Now, what that matters for us? What it matters for us is the fact that love is not something that was created. I bought a shirt from The Gap one time. It says, time is an invention. I thought it was awesome because it was good theology at The Gap. And so I bought this shirt. the shirt. and time is an invention. Now, if there would have been a shirt that says love is an invention, that's bad theology. Love is not an invention. Love is not something that was created along with us. Love is something we were created out of. Right? We came out of this. Essentially, what's going on is all of these, the, the three parts of God are interacting perfectly. They're loving. They're enjoying each other. They're fellowshipping. They're glorifying one another. And they said, hey, you know what? Let's expand the circle. Let's open this up. Let's invite somebody else into the circle. And so they says, let's make man in our image. So we are created then to enter into this, C.S. Lewis calls the divine dance. We are invited into this, this love relationship with God. Now, we don't get to get to all the details behind it today, but ultimately... We we're created to reflect his glory. We we're created to make much of him. But something happens a couple chapters in where that is all fractured. And we don't have time to walk into that. We will in a couple weeks or maybe next week. I'm not sure. We'll see. In a couple weeks we'll look into that. Here's, here's the, what this is telling us and there's something that happens. So we don't follow what God has created us for ultimately. We choose our own path. Adam and Eve choose their own way. Sin enters the world and we govern, we decide we want to govern ourselves, We are, which is essentially what we're doing when we sin, right? We're choosing our way over God's way. We're saying, telling the Lord, I know better than you know. Now, creation, though, on the other hand, continues. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare your majesty. Psalm 42 says, deep calls unto deep through the roars of your waterfalls. What they're basically saying is, The creation is crying out and doing what it was created for, which is the same thing we were created for, to reflect the glory of God, right? When God says he created the sun to govern the day and the moon to govern the night, even that is in some respects a small reflection of God's ability to rule. Creation is designed to point us back to God, to reflect the glory of its maker, to reflect the glory of its creator. Why? Why? Have you thought about it? Why does nature speak to us? I'm not talking like you're out in the woods and then like, stay. Hey. Like I'm not, I'm not talking like that, but I'm just, just putting it out there. I'm a city kid. I'm a suburb kid, right? I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in the city. All my friends dig the beach. We grew up on the Florida coast. They surfers. They went out there. You you can't. You could. By the time, like it took until you were going to go to the beach again to get rid of all the sand from the first trip to the beach. I just wasn't a big fan of that. Right. I don't. I'm my son is a perfect unfortunate. He's got my jeans. He'd much rather be on a couch in the air conditioning than in the backyard sweating. Right. So me and nature aren't BFFs. I'm. Not, you won't catch pictures of me hiking Pinnacle Mountain that's not under duress, right? Like someone, like, if someone, one of you love, you know, you're like, man, I just really want to go, right? Like Sean likes, he's told me, he, when he goes and hikes, he'd like to go hike, and so I would go hike with Sean. He would have to carry me the last half of the way up the mountain, but I, I would go hike because I love Sean, not because I love nature, okay? I'm not interested in the nature. But there is something about standing on my back porch with a can of Diet Coke, looking out over my privacy fence into the big farmland fields that stretch all the way to the tree line as the sun is going down that's just awesome time from time to time i would go to our building and if you step out the back left door of the new valley building you can see all the rest of the big open field that is our property and when the sun, and the light's just right it's beautiful not just because it's ours, that's part of it, I think. But not just because it's ours, it's, it's beautiful. There's things about creation that catch us off guard. I love, maybe I'm just a mopey, drainy Eeyore person, but I love rainy days. Everyone's like, I hate the rain. I'm just like, oh, it's so awesome. I just want to sit there and go, I love this. Like the sun's not out, that's what I love about it. <laughs> I just love that it's, I don't know, just... And there's different parts of creation, that's, but they speak, it speaks to us. There's something about creation that speaks and compels us. What do you think God's doing all these times where he's walking around saying it's good? It's good, it's good, it's good. There's been time to time where I bought new pants and I put my hands in my pockets and as I'm walking around someday later I pull it out and it's like inspected by number 46. Right? Is that what he's doing? Is he like, he made the heavens and the earth and he walks over there and God's like, yeah, how would you do it, Jesus. That's good. All right. That's good. i will pass. Is that what he's doing? No, it's not what he's doing. So what he's doing is he's standing there and he sits there, he sits down, and, and you've had that, you take that bite of that food that is awesome. Or there's been sometimes where I'm a big movie fan where I left the movie and I'm just like, that was, that was so good. That was so good. I enjoyed that so much. That's what he's doing. He's speaking his enjoyment over the creation that he has created. He's going over and he's like, that is good. Oh my gosh, that's bird. That's a. Is that what are you? That's a platypus. That's weird. That is so good, right? Like he's going over and he's enjoying all of his creation. He's not signing off on it. He's he's showing how much he cares for it, how good it is. Now, so nature, obviously the part of it is affected by sin. We have all these things that these, these natural disasters and things like that that obviously have been. But on the whole. It is a much purer expression of, the, of what it was created for than us. But The book of Romans tells us that creation actually groans. It understands why it was created, and it waits for God to restore it along with us. So here's the thing. We, though, have chosen to be our own master, so we can't actually join into the song that creation is singing of its praises back to its master. We, we have sort of chosen our own path, and so we stand at odds with creation. Have you ever... Um, you ever wonder why wild animals aren't your friend? You ever had a dog growl at you? Or bark incessantly at you even though he's this big and you could hold him in his hand? It took me a year for Teddy to like me. But just random dogs that are un- uncautious. You ever wonder why wild animals? Like there was that horrible video that a dude dropped this kid in a jaguar pit. That, a, mir- a miracle that kid's not dead. Wild animals stand in opposition to us. There was a really old, um, I um, I used to, I went swimming. Um, I, it sounds funny coming out of my mouth because some of you are like, yeah, you're lying. Um, there was a brief period of time where I wanted to do a triathlon. And so I would swim and run and bike ride. Yeah, thanks. And um, we went on an anniversary trip, me and Julie, to a uh, friend's cabin on, in Hot Springs. I'd never been to Hot Springs. And it was on this lake. It was just neat. Um, and apparently it, was, it was, had been you know, a really dry summer, and so the water was way down. Anyway, I didn't know. Um, but I, I had this plan. I was trying to work, and I needed to swim. And so my goal was to swim across the lake. And so um, my imagination, I don't do scary movies and things like this because my imagination works really well. And so I'm swimming in this dark, murky water. Again, not a fan of nature necessarily. And so I'm swimming across the thing. And I'm from Florida. You didn't swim in those kind of environments in Florida because there was a large, scaly reptile with lots of teeth that wants to eat you. Every year in our um, neighborhood, there would be crops of baby ducks and they were adorable. And like six months in, there's like two. Like they're all gone you're like, where'd they go? I know where they went. Every, every, every time on the news, there was somebody lost their poodle. Like, they were just, it was barking. It thought it was awesome. It went down around the water's edge and it was going to handle its business and it became lunch. So in my mind, as I'm swimming across this thing, I am sheerly, I am terrified. I'm trying to act brave because my wife's in a paddle boat right next to me. And I'm like, at any moment, like, I'm just f- having flashbacks from that um, Lake Placid movie where the crocodile is like 18 feet long and just swallows you whole. Now, I, I didn't have to even be in actual nature. When I was in my backyard in Florida and we had a swimming pool and I'd be out there swimming by myself, I would imagine, because I'd seen clips of Jaws, I'm like, There's, it's in here. It's a, in, in, the, in a minute, I'm here by myself. There's no one to call for help when Jaws comes out of the drain and eats me. This, you know, the 18-foot great white shark is obviously in my swimming pool. But why do we have those fears? Why, are we, why is there movies like Jaws? Why is there movies, like, why is there movies where dogs go, like Cujo go nuts and eat people? Why? Because we live in opposition essentially to creation. This old pastor had this really good line. He said, um, animals growl at us and snap at us and birds fly away and things, run, and things run from us and creation essentially understands that we are in opposition because we have a quarrel with its master. I thought, holy cow. Creation knows who created it. And He knows that we stand in opposition to God. It's, we're born through, through sin. We are born to our father Adam, where we inherit the rebellion against God. Now, here's a big deal. Here's why this matters. Um, the song that creation is singing why it touches us, why a sunset or rain or whatever it is that speaks to you, speaks to you, is it's calling, it's the song of creation. It's the song of purpose. It's the song that's reflecting the glory back to God and reminding us why some part deep inside of us, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3 that God placed eternity on our hearts. So there's this part of us that connects with the creation that was created And reminds us of the purpose we were created for, even though we have not following that. Even though we have done that. Now, what the creation song is singing is that our master loves us. Our master says we are good. Our master delights in us. Our creator cares deeply for us. The problem then is, you and I are looking for that same understanding. We have the void in our life that is not filled by the creator because we unfortunately are trying to rule ourselves. What we long to hear is our creator say, you are good. You are loved. I delight in you. But the problem is we stand, we, we are very aware of the fact that we are not worthy of standing in front of the creator and hearing him say those things. We know, essentially, and we feel that he would be lying if he says those things. So what do you do? How do you join the song of creation? Can you? Can you join it? The way... Look at John 1 again. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. And the script down to verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. so that his own would not receive him, so that the creation that he loves and spoke into existence would turn on him, crucify him on a cross, so that those who believe in his name, to them, (laughs) could become the children of God, to them, can rejoin the song of creation. Through Jesus' sacrifice, it says if we believe, if we place our faith and trust in Christ, we surrender our lives to Christ, he becomes the Lord and King of our lives. We can stand face to face with the creator, with our maker. And as God looks at us through the lens and filter of Jesus, he can say to us in all consciousness, you are good. You are loved. I delight in you the very thing our souls long to hear from our maker. Only through Christ can we stand in unity with the glory of God the way we were intended to function, the way it was supposed to work, the way it was intended to be. God made a way where there was no way. Now, until we see that, We continue to try to cram things into that void, whether it's people and relationships or things. We go one of two ways, right? We go materialistic and we push ourselves all the way into pleasure and we're going to do everything our way and have fun and drink deeply of creation and forget about God. And we keep hoping that we can self-medicate it and that hole will go away if I drink enough things, if I have enough relationships, if I have this possession, if I get enough promotions, if I drive a good enough vehicle, eventually I won't deep down in my soul be empty. Or we do the other way that says, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to say that or watch that or talk like that or hang out with that or smoke that or look at that. Right, We go the opposite, hyper-holy way and we become the person that's really good at following the list. The problem I have found is those people eventually just give up because the list apart from Christ leaves you just as empty <laughs> as those without it. The only way we can find that peace, the only way we can fill that gap is through the sacrifice of Jesus is through reuniting ourselves with the God that created us for the purpose, which is to enter in to the divine love and fellowship and community that he has in store and has created us for. Apart from that, we just stay empty. Apart from that, we will always be at opposition. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you that you Give us a reminder through all of creation that you care deeply for us. That you, your desire is not to leave us in isolation or trapped in rebellion. But through your goodness, through your mercy and your grace and your sacrifice, you made a way where there was no way. You have righted the wrong that we, as a human race, have picked up, sinning against you. And Though you didn't deserve it, you laid down your life so that we might be whole. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might be children of God. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.